Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things that you can buy that will actually help you become a better deer hunter, or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This reason is why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current course setup consists of the Phantom saddle, Tethered one sticks, and the Predator platform, and along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend a lot of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times are to hunt. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've had an opportunity to use the desktop version last year and have been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store and download it today. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 267. Today, I'm catching up with my good buddy, Josh Elderton from The Untamed, and we're talking mountain bucks, lessons learned, and much more. So stay tuned. everyone happy wednesday to you hope you are doing well hope you are feeling fine i am finally on the mend <clears throat> not 100 <clears throat> percent quite yet but uh definitely a damn sight better than i was 
uh, last weekend here in PA, in, at least in my region. Uh, well, a lot of the state ended earlier, but uh, hunting season is officially over. Deer season is officially over, I guess I should say. Uh, wrapped up this past weekend, and unfortunately for late season, my late season plans did not kind of play out how I had hoped. Uh, various <clears throat> various reasons, a couple illnesses, the flu over the holidays, um, some family obligations on some of the weekends, and then, of course, got the Rona here the past couple weeks, so have not really been out in the timber doing a whole hell of a lot of anything, uh, which is kind of a kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I often put most of my eggs in the earlier part of the season baskets when I take my time off. It's uh, when I basically let the family know that I am unavailable for nearly anything and everything <clears throat> except life-threatening circumstances. Um, and so with that, my late season is always a little bit of a crapshoot, but I did anticipate that I'd get out more than I did this year, and uh, it just was not in the cards. So uh, I have been kind of monitoring a couple cell cameras. There's a couple decent bucks that were showing up of course, this past kind of week and a half while I've been sick and not been able to do anything about it. Uh, but the good news is, is they're around and uh, made it through the year so long as the, the winter isn't too harsh. We just got a bunch of snow. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a bunch of snow. Probably got like six inches. But as long as the winter's not too harsh, they should still be around for next year and be uh, a year more mature and uh, and just as fun to chase as they would have been uh, as they would have been this year. But uh, going to keep this up front short. Just kind of get jumped into today's podcast, but before we do that, I have a couple pieces of housekeeping here. As you guys know, the uh, Great American Outdoor Show is coming up. I'm going to be at the Tethered Booth 1033 and the Exodus Booth uh, 927 on, I think it's February 5th. I don't know exactly what the times are. I think there might be some specific time slots that I might be at the Tethered Booth. Uh, you can follow my Instagram page for that. I'll, I'll, I'll post that whenever I know. Um, and then, you know, if you guys want to stop by and say what's up, have some ch- have a chat talk uh, truck cameras, talk saddles, talk deer hunting in general. Those are the two places I will mainly be those days. But with that, my buddies at Exodus um, gave me a heads up that, you know, of course you guys know uh, those are good buddies of mine. I hunt with Chad, been hunting with Chad for for years and they make top level uh, trail cameras and have probably the best customer service in the, in the entire trail camera space. And over the last seven years, Exodus, you know, consistently has shown that they build quality trail cameras. I literally have cameras out that I've had since day one when I first started kind of working with Exodus and knew who they were. I got a truck camera. It's still been out in the timber. This is going on, I think, want to say like five years now, and that thing is still just ticking and running. Um, but if there were an instance where something happened, they have a five-year warranty that backs every single camera that they sell. That's literally half a decade, and you'll be covered with the Exodus five-year warranty. But like I said, you probably won't need it because they're just built to last, and I've had several that I've beaten the piss out of that are still that are still working. But in the honor of trade show season, so let's say an instance where you can't get out to the trade show to pick up on those sweet deals that typically every company is running at these trade shows. They just gave me a heads up that they're kicking off an opportunity to buy their Exodus Render, which is their 4G LTE camera, uh, their cell camera that sends pictures and videos to any device through the Scout Tech app. You can save 15% by being one of the first 100 customers to use the promo code Showtime, that's S-H-O-W-T-I-M-E, all one word, uh, when you check out on the Exodus website. This code will save you over 50 bucks on the Exodus render and almost $75 on the security bundle. These types of savings don't come around too often, so I encourage you to check out this deal uh, if you're in the market for a reliable trail camera. Once again, use the code Showtime 
it to save 15% off any render purchase. They don't have sales very often, guys. You know, this is very, they kind of have these at, at specific moments throughout the year. So don't overlook the opportunity. If you are going to get a, a truck camera this year, a couple new truck cameras this year, this, this would be the time to pick it up. So head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com and check that out. Use the promo code SHOWTIME. All right, with that, today we have a super cool show for you guys. Have my good buddy Josh Ilderton on the show from The Untamed. Had him on probably just about a about a year ago, uh, I want to say. And Josh has fast become one of my favorite people just to kind of talk to in general. Aside from being an awesome deer hunter, hunting on the ground in mountain country, you know, in, in, in most cases. Um, just a super good dude. He was on the THP Public Land Challenge this year whenever they were in Indiana. So we talk a little bit about that and... Uh, we talk a little bit about travel hunting and, you know, some of the miscues that we both maybe had made this year and uh, what his plan is for for going forward. And then he had an awesome a couple awesome hunts this year. Uh, but recently in December, they uh, the Untamed launched a video of Josh filling his uh, his West Virginia tag. Um, super killer hunt, uh, kind of a wild set of circumstances. So if you haven't checked that show out, I would highly recommend that you check that out. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel, I'd highly recommend subscribing to the channel. They got a ton of cool deer hunting, turkey hunting, bear hunting with hounds, super cool stuff. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I got my buddy on the line. You'll you'll recognize the dulcet tones of my brother from another mother. The man from West by God Rootin' Tootin', Virginia. <laughs> A knee blowing out, hog hunting, bear wrestling, deer killing from the ground, Josh Elderton. What's going on, brother? How you doing, Clint? I'm doing good, man. Now that we got all of our technical things kind of figured out, man, it took us just shy of a decade to get this thing turned on. <laughs> well, that's all right, man. You know, somebody that's been doing it as long as you, you know, there's got to be some foul ups every now and then. That's right. Well, hey, it's it's more than a little now and then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like deer hunting, man. It's like you think by this time I got her figured out, but man, I it seems like uh, it seems like my seasons. I always look back and I'm like, man, okay. Let's count the ways how I screwed this up. You know, it's like I almost it's like a notch on the bedpost, but in a bad kind of way. For yeah. me. <laughs> so how you been, man? What's going on? I got a little sippy here going on. I think we were gonna we were gonna break bread. I'm gonna put it on video here so you can see my my pretty face. Cheers to you. Here's to you. The uh what what's your choice this evening? Uh man, I am sipping on some old forester. Uh, 1897 is what I got. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm a Forrester fan. Are you? You look yeah. like you might be a Forrester fan. Yeah, I like the 1920. Okay, yeah. I got that downstairs, too. I got the 1897, the 1920, and there's a 1905, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got yeah, So they all go from, I think, 86 to 115. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm sipping the, the lighter one tonight. Uh, it was a school night. You know, so I'm trying, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it on the reel on a school night. You know, I don't need to be exactly, you know, I work from home, so I could be a little busted up if I want to be, but it just makes the day too hard, man. I'm too old for that anymore. You know, I am trying to, I am trying Thanks to sip out about that. Right, yeah, I know. Right. Trying to sip to keep the Rona yeah. away right now. Cause we got the, we got the Rona floating around my house. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to drown her out. Well, speaking of the Rona, I fought it last week, went down to the, ATA and it was just a cesspool. Yeah. 
mean, <laughs> I mean, we, on our on our way back Sunday, like by Monday morning, we were getting texts from everybody we hung out with. Hey, I just tested positive. Hey, I tested positive, and right. I've dodged it for two years. Yeah, I'm the same and, way, and really hadn't done anything to protect myself, but went down there and got it. And of course, I'm vaccinated, so right. I was I was sick for two or three days. Yeah, and um. Finally got back to work today, so that's good. This today was the first day I'm feeling like myself. Yeah, yeah. My wife, she's got it pretty good, man. Like she doesn't have like the she didn't get like a fever or like really even a cough or anything. Like hers was more just like a ripping headache and a really kind of jacked up GI system. You know, and she's yeah. going on. I, pro- had, I had the I had the GI problems. Yeah, and yeah. then like my eyeballs hurt, my lower back, my hips, hell, my daggone testicles were hurting <laughs> you, gotta get, you gotta get a release there son Jesus. <laughs> and that was it it was like two or three days of that and then i was just absolutely just whooped i mean yeah. i just felt lethargic man just wanted just to lay all day yeah yeah i was uh i was just hoping personally i was just hoping i made it through hunting season without yeah because i just didn't want to be laid up because you know, it's one thing to be sick, but it's like, you know, regardless of whether it's that or the flu or whatever, it's like, there's always that period after where you just kind of, you're better, but you still kind of feel like dog shit, you know, and you're tired. And when you have a, when you have a fever, I think it's the worst thing in the world to, to try to fight off as a fever. I mean, you can, you can hunt through a lot of stuff, but hunting through a fever. Yeah. It's, it's just miserable. Yeah. Especially if you're doing a lot of hiking, you got the, you know, where you're at, especially you got a lot of elevation to kind of deal with and stuff like that. So it's not easy on the lungs either. And that, you know, whenever you don't, when you ain't got the stamina, it just makes it that much harder. Oh yeah. Yeah. You That's know. a fact. I mean, this year was, uh, I was kind of, um, hindered because of my knee surgery. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, because I know you healed up pretty quick. You know, we were yeah. texting over the summer and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was bummed out that it was blown out. Cause you know, you did it kind of late in the summer too, where I was like, I was like, dang man, that's going to yeah, be, I, I was worried. Yeah. Um, but the, the surgeon that did my surgery, he, he's got this new, um, it's called a uh, fertilized ACL mm-hmm. and it fertilizes it with eggs and stuff. And, and then, you know, he didn't repair the MCL. It's just gone. He repaired the meniscus and then, my tibia was broke too and it healed, but, uh, man, I recovered to be my age. I mean, I, I, I was really happy with my recovery. Yeah. I mean, I was getting in a tree with Brody, my son, uh, mid September. Yeah. And when did that, when did that happen? Cause you were hunting hogs with Greg and those guys, right? Well, I was hunting turkeys. Oh, it was turkeys. Okay. Yeah. They were, they, had, uh, Greg and those guys had come up. Uh, to hunt turkeys with us the last weekend of season. So it was the end of May. Okay. And uh, Greg wanted to see these hogs. We jumped up and, you know, once we saw the hogs, then I poked the bear. And when you poke the bear, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go good. Right. <laughs> we look like. Greg and I look like I don't know if you've seen those, those guys on YouTube, the Jalala brothers, uh-huh. and they're from Australia, and they drop like the dynamite, and they say that song comes up, run. 
<laughs> that's what that's what that's what should have been. Oh that, man, that, they could have made all kinds of memes and gifs out of us. All right, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, because you you don't strike me as the guy that would poke the bear. Uh, <laughs> I, I normally do, but I normally do in better circumstances. I mean, <laughs> I do it with trees around that we can jump in, or we might even have a gun. Right. We can have a gun with it, and they just caught us out in the open field. So, Man. yeah, that ain't. No and those good. sons of guns are quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like people don't realize how mean those things are, too. Man, like they ain't they ain't friendly. Yeah. No, no. Once you once you poke them and provoke them. Uh, they tend not to uh, want you around anymore. Right. They, so, they t- they but that's t- a good life. It's a great story. Uh, right. And it's, you know, just one of those other things. It's like that, uh, see what you do in adversity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, know, I look yeah. And, and I know we were texting back and forth because I was bummed out, man. Like you said, like I was, I was hoping you were going to heal up quick enough, uh, at least to be able to get back in and enjoy, you know, a little bit of season. Cause I couldn't imagine having to sit out all, a whole, I mean, there's a lot worse things. That's, you know, let's be real. There's a lot people go through a lot worse, you know, so, yeah. you know, but, but still, you know, it, it's hard to sit out for a whole year or something that you have a passion for that you love to do. And, you well, know, that's and, all I was worried about, man. I kept on telling that sergeant, Hey, I got to get back. I want to be back hunting by October one. Mm-hmm. And it took a little longer than that. I mean, I was still hunting with, with Brody cause I kind of, uh, committed the first part of the season to hunt with him because, um, he didn't have any, you know, we were done with baseball and he hadn't started basketball up. So, and he's, he's never killed a deer with his bow. Mm. Um, so we were, I was kind of committed to hunting with him the first part of season. And he, he had, uh, had a few opportunities. And then, uh, I started hunting when we went on the public land challenge. That was the first time that I actually got in the woods myself. Okay. Yeah. And Brody had a pretty good year, man. Like he, he ended up killing a buck, didn't he? Yeah, he killed he killed two bucks with his gun. He killed a doe with his gun, and I think he missed he missed five does, and then he stuck a he stuck a ten point with nice. his with his bow. Nice. But the, the deer lived. Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah, he hit it. He no manned it. Right. Yeah, I did uh, one. I did that with a doe this year. Actually, it was like, uh, man, I want to say it was probably like right at the end of September. Um. I was just looking to put some meat in the freezer and she came in and she picked me off and I, it was an hour never type of shot. And I had a good shot. I just, I just rushed it and I hit her high in no man's land. And that was all, yeah. she, that was it. You know, that's what I told him. I mean, it's so fun. I mean, I think we even texted about it. it things that I take for granted hunting now. Mm-hmm. He hunting with Brody, he's 13. He just turned 13. I mean, he reminds me of, of so many things that I just take for granted as a hunter. And he gets aggravated because he misses deer or he'll try to move in the tree stand and deer will bust him. And it's just getting those reps. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a quote unquote seasoned hunter, like those things are just natural for us. Mm-hmm. Of when to move, when to pull back, what yeah. you can do, what you can't do. Um, and it's just been fun because he just really started hunting with me um, this year, archery. Now, we've gun hunted a few times, but he really hadn't done it much. But then he got hooked on turkey hunting Okay. during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year of COVID, he, we hunted every day except for four days. 
Okay. And, uh, and that was in Virginia, Ohio and West Virginia. And he got hooked at your, how he had some encounters. He missed two birds. And I explained to him this year, like bow hunting, like it's the same thing. It's like, I tell him like when he's playing baseball, like we can practice as much as we can, but game time reps mean something. Yeah. It's the same, like he can go out here in the yard and shoot out to 40 yards and he'll shoot a two or three inch group. But until he gets in the stand and gets in that situation and gets a, get that those game time reps, that experience in the woods. And I really think that he learned a lot this year. Um, and I reverted back and talked about a lot of stuff that I just take for granted that I think that he'll He'll, he, I think he'll find success this next season. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the, uh, I mean, well, that's one thing that I've appreciated about you is your, uh, your kind of mentoring, like you just have a mentoring kind of personality. You know what I mean? Like even when you and I talk or we text or whatever, like there's always, you know, you're always willing to kind of share information or whatever, you yeah. know? And, um, and it's cool that you get to do that with your, with your son. And, I like the fact that like he had some tough, like some tough, some tough kind of situations this year, because it's good to learn that early. Cause I, I know guys that, you know, their first deer they ever killed was a giant, you know, like my buddy Chad Sylvester, yeah. for example, first deer he ever killed was 180 and some change, you know? Um, now he's a, he's a good hunter. So it's not like it ruined him or anything like that, but some guys, if it, right. if they get the success real early, they feel like that's just the way it, it should go. And they, and then they struggle whenever they start to make mistakes, you know, they have a little bit of a false sense of maybe their skill set. It might right. be one way to say it where it's like, and then when you hit those learning moments, like you're like, man, does this happen to everybody? And it's just maybe a little harder to come back from cause you're a little older, you know what I mean? But the reality is, is that man, that happens to guys that have been doing it for years. You know that's what I exactly. mean? It's, I, I missed, I hit one and lost one this year. I hit a buck last year in Missouri and lost it, you know, hit him or clipped the branch and stuck him in the shoulder and just didn't get enough penetration. And I've had a, like a two, like a bad two year run, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I've hit deer and lost them. Or, you know, I had a, I was hunting on the ground in Kansas this year and that was new for me. And I made a ton of mistakes out there. You know what I mean? I was there for two weeks and I didn't feel like I was in the game until probably like day 12 of the, of a 15 day hunt, you know what I mean? To where it's like, I was like, okay, I've screwed this up often enough. Now I know kind of what, my, what I need to do and what my setup needs to be. And when I need to draw and I blew two opportunities on shooters this year, just because I didn't draw on time. And I've been doing this long enough. Like I know better, you know, right. it's like, and, uh, you know, one was, you know, behind a piece of brush really couldn't see. I mean, I knew what it was, but he wasn't going to give me a shot opportunity. And one was legit. I was trying to figure out what deer it was. And I should have just drawn while he, while I was figuring it out. Cause he looked just like another deer that I didn't want to shoot. And by the time he popped his head out and came out around this brush, it was nothing between me and him except air and opportunity. And I couldn't get drawn at that point, but I should have already been drawn. Yeah. You know, and that's like a rookie mistake. And, and so it happens to everybody. And so it's like, he'll be better for those. He doesn't think so now. Cause he's young, you know, but well, I mean, it's like, um, so this past Turkey season, he found success with turkeys. I mean, we got out and we hunted like, we didn't go out and just kill a bird this year. I mean, we had to hunt and we had some encounters and he kept on learning, you know, 
that he needed to be in the gun. He had to be ready when to shoot, when, you know, and he finally closed the deal. I mean, he tagged out in West Virginia this year. I mean, he killed two long beards and, uh, it just made it. And of course it made my day too. I mean, I was like flipping super stoked, right? you know, I, yeah. I mean, I bet you every Turkey in the mountains that could hear me <laughs> probably didn't gobble for another week, <laughs> nice. you know? but, uh, he though the experiences though that he had over the the past two seasons paid off he kept on grinding and kept on going out every morning i mean um and it's just it's fun to watch mm-hmm. i mean it's you know i don't get on to him if i go in there three thirty or 4 in the morning i say brother it's time to get up and hunt and if he says hey i'm tired dad i'll say okay stay you know rest yeah you know but if he says hey i'm getting up you know, he, he pops right up when, you know, when he wants to go, he pops right up and gets after it. I mean, right. this year he was getting into his, he hunted by himself half a dozen, eight times. I mean, uh, you know, I set him up lifelines at his tree stands and he knows the rules that he's got to be clipped in at all times. And I let him, uh, go out by himself here on our, our small farm here where we live. Mm-hmm. And so he was hunting by himself and, and by God, he, he would go out. And he'd do four or five hour sits. That's 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 cool, I man. Mean, it really, I mean, it really makes me proud of, of the the hunter he's becoming. Right. How would you say he was again? Thirteen, you say? Yeah, he yeah. he turned thirteen this year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's super awesome, man. I mean, it's cool to watch, uh, especially. I mean, it's cool to watch just in general. But I, I imagine you know being your son, getting to watch it as a dad, watching that, watching that little flame start to ignite. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. you know, and because it's, it's, I, I saw it from a, a different perspective a little bit. I was older, but, right. you know, I, I, uh, I think I mentioned this to you, like when we talked before, I hunted all my life growing up, took a little bit of a break whenever I was doing music and, you know, was on the road and doing stuff like that, where I just wasn't home very often. I was living in a different state, but I didn't start bow hunting until I was 30 because my dad really didn't bow hunt a lot. He would do some recurve hunting in the fall. If it was really windy or if it was rainy, that's the only time he would take a bow out. Yeah. He would, he would still hunt and try to sneak up on embedded and try to shoot one. But it was a lot of small game, a lot of rifle hunting, turkey hunting, ringnecks, rabbits, squirrels, you know, whatever it was, I'd go out and chase it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, my daughter's not super into hunting. I took her a turkey hunt a couple of times when she was younger. She just doesn't like to get up in the morning. And that's not her thing. She loves horses. She loves to ride yeah. horses. And I'm like, you like to be outdoors riding horses. Let's let's ride horses then, you know? Um, but when I, I started, I was sort of bow hunting and this old timer, I had him on the podcast. I call him an old timer, but he's getting ready to retire. Or he just retired actually. Um, he's a buddy of my father-in-law's and that's the guy who introduced me to like legitimate, like archery hunting. And he was kind of getting out of it to a degree. Cause he just, he wasn't really, he wasn't traveling at all. And he was really kind of hunting my, my father-in-law's farm, which, not great deer there necessarily. And he was just kind of going out willy nilly and just throwing caution to the wind and see what happens. He wasn't really hunting. He was sitting in the woods, you know, and he would admit that. And his son doesn't hunt, you know, or anything like that. And so when I came along and just got ate up with it, it was like, and he told me this and we talked about it. It just ignited the fire back in him where it was like to see someone else that he could kind of impart what he's learned over 50 years of being in the woods to have someone to kind of share that with just got him super excited again. And at like 60 couple, whatever he was 60, 59 or 58, 59, whenever we first kind of met and started hanging out and doing that stuff, 
he all of a sudden like started going to going to Ohio with me on travel hunts. He goes out by himself. Yeah, he starts. He goes out by himself now, like because I'll usually go to a different state. We try to link up once in a while, but now he'll go out by himself. And uh, the first year we traveled together, I killed a uh, this piece of public in Ohio. I killed a good Pope and Young ten point on whatever it was. I think it was like November sixth, maybe. And uh, he was running into a lot of pressure, and I was like, "Hey, I was like, man, I was like, I'm seeing bucks, multiple bucks every day. You know, I was like, you should just go up, get into the same tree. I was like, I, I guarantee you, you'll see a buck." Well, he goes up the next day, gets in the same tree and, uh, kills his best, his best archery buck of his life. You know? That's all. And, uh, I of course was stoked. He called me. I ran up there. I basically, I basically drug the deer out at Mach 10. Like I was just so <laughs> fired up. Like he didn't have a chance. Like I just grabbed that deer and took off, you know, but before that, you know, and this is the cool part about hunt when I say igniting that fire, not to get all mushy, but like we were up there and you know, his sister had passed away that year and, and stuff like that. And his dad passed away not long before that. And so he just kind of had a rough kind of stretch and he was getting to share all this stuff with me that he didn't think he was ever going to get a chance to share this with somebody, you know what I mean? And, uh, and not too proud to admit it. We shared, we, we shed a tear together up there, you know what I mean? Because I, I knew it meant that much to him. You know what I mean? It meant that much to me that he was willing to share what he knows with me. And, I mean, that's an unbreakable bond that we'll have the rest of our life. You know what I mean? We still talk oh, like we're like, he's my, like, he's my uncle. That's how I kind of treat yeah. him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, I, I tell everybody, I mean, uh, even when you and I text about deer hunting and stuff, you know, privately, I mean, the only dumb question, man, and I, I firmly believe this is, is the one you don't ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it's, it's lit a fire into me in the archery because, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I've told you before, I mean, I quit working for archery season, you know, when I was young, when I first got out of the Marine Corps, I'd work from January 2nd to October 1st, and I was done. Right. I mean, I didn't care where I was working, what was going on. <laughs> quit. Right. And, and then I got into hound hunting and kind of got ate up with it. Mm-hmm. And I still love it. I mean, that, I think it's the, the one of the greatest things there is and to get in, kids involved and just party hunt and social hunt. But, you know, I'm going to slow down on the hound hunting because I want to focus more on deer hunting from like this fall coming up from 2022. I'm really going to focus on archery hunting mm-hmm. uh, and not just hunting in southern west virginia and trying to you know harvest one deer i'm going to try to really step up step my game up because watching brody it's kind of lit mm-hmm. like into it now and like he wants to archery hunt i mean we still have our dogs and he loves our dogs but like he wants to bow hunt yeah instead of going out and running the hounds right and i think that as a father and this is for me it's just my opinion that you know, I want to focus on whatever he's focused on. And it's kind of lit a fire into me so that I don't, I do every, I don't push him, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do everything in my power and will to keep him interested. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's always a, there's always a, I was just going to say, there's always a good saying that, you know, 
you should never force your kids to be into what you're into. You should always be super into what they, what they're into. Yeah. And and just like, and wherever the passion lies, just make sure you fuel that, you know what I mean? Because that's whatever that thing is, that's the thing they're going to, are willing to excel at, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, he plays his sports too. And, and, and I help him with whatever I can there, but I just think hunting, hunting something that he's going to be able to do way past any sports that he plays, you know, he's not going to go professional or any shit like that. I mean, and my thing is, is, is that if I know my kid's hunting, then I ain't hunting my kid. Right. <laughs> A lot of truth it, to it, that. It, it's, you know, in this world today, it's just crazy. And these kids get exposed to, to so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big focus of mine. But I mean, we had a great season and uh, he learned a lot. I learned a lot. We had a, a great time together, which is more important to me than anything. Yeah. I mean, kid cracks me up with, with, with some of the stuff that they ask and say. And, <laughs> you know, but it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. So let me ask you this, man. Uh, I have two questions for you. The first one is so you talking about him cracking you up like what's the what's the one thing that you that you think back on like during the season that he asked you where you were like that either you were stumped or you were like man where did you come up with that well it's not it, it like he asked some questions and he he's a pretty intelligent kid but it, where he gets me is he mocks me all the time oh. he he <laughs> impersonates me and he'll he he won't let me um, he's not exactly totally used to the camera. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't care whether he's on camera or not. Mm-hmm. And and that's cool. But like, I, I won't have the camera rolling and he'll be impersonating me about <laughs> you know, doing an interview or something like that. And, and, you know, he's, he's, he's damn near got me down to a T, you know, cause he didn't grow up where I grew up. So he doesn't have that strong accent, but he, he puts his acting ac- accent on and, uh, he gets real excited and stuff, and say so he impersonates me all the time. Yeah, you don't get all excited now, do you? No, I'm just no. kidding, man. I saw that video. I saw that video of the buck you killed this year. Just like you said, you might have scared every turn to, uh, turkeys hadn't gobbled in like a year. Where that was at, yeah. man. You scared every deer out of the county with that and one. You know, and tell you the truth, Clint, I didn't even care, buddy, because that was uh, the third week of December, and from the time that I went to indiana at the public land challenge um till then i mean i hunted hard i mean i i think the only days that i missed was days that we couldn't get the camera out because of weather mm. yeah. I, I mean um the public land challenge was exactly what it's meant to be it is going in blind you know not getting information from warb and them until you know three or four days, five days before, and you're going in blind somewhere and finding, trying to find a deer on, on public. And I learned a lot. It's yeah. the same thing when I was in Missouri the year before, mm-hmm. it just doesn't hunt the same. Yeah. As yeah. what I'm, the, what I'm used to hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, yeah. I think I overthink it when I, I really do. I mean, we saw some deer, um, we had some, um, you know, trouble a couple of days, you know, I had some trouble, uh, getting across creeks on the pipe on, on the, on the public. And so it was, a. I I spent a whole lot of time scouting 
And I really think that you ought to just go in and hunt and scout while you're hunting instead of hunting while you scout. Yeah. No, I, and I definitely want to, yeah, it does. I, and I definitely want to talk to you about that. Cause I jotted a couple things down that I wanted to cover, like just during the course of our conversation. And that's something I want to kind of pick. Cause I know you and I were texting kind of like leading up yeah. to that, you know? Yeah. Um, but before we, before we jump into that, you were mentioning, you know, Brody getting super into it's kind of lit this fire and you want to kind of, you know, up your game. And so my question really was, was like, as you were saying, that was just, you know, you're pretty hardcore about it already. You know what I mean? So like, what does that look like for you? Like, what are the plans or the goals? Well, goal, goal for me is we're not, um, we're not these national travelers to go and hunt 10, 15 States. That's not me. What what I mean is I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, uh, West Virginia. I'm going to focus on Ohio, Kentucky. I'm definitely, those three States are going to be a major focus because of the way the seasons come in. Mm-hmm. And if I can't get back to out to Indiana, because it's such a short drive for me, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely feel like what I learned in Indiana this fall, I think I can have success. Uh, well, the, what I learned at the Public Land Challenge, I think I can go back to those areas and find success this fall. Right. I'm de- I just, you know, I, I think for for me and us at the Untamed, I think that, you know, our thing is is not going to be trying to go to states for seven or ten days at a time and kill a deer. You know, it's hard enough to kill a, a deer in southern West Virginia. Yeah. And I think if we take people on that ride. And let them experience what we're going through that season. That that's good enough to hunt in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And if I can find success in West Virginia, then you know whatever order it comes in. But I'm just going to focus on our region, right? Like, and I didn't even get to make it to Ohio this year because I mean my knee hindered me a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's kind of going to be my focus. I probably won't. I probably. I mean, as bad as it, you know, I'll probably catch grief from from viewers and listeners, but I'm probably not going to hound hunt as much. Right. I still want to make our trip out West and to mountain lion hunt, but for the bear hunting, you know, I'm not going to used to, I'd let bear hunting interrupt deer season. Mm-hmm. And this year I'm going to let deer hunting interrupt bear season. Right. And Hey, you have a place uh, in Eastern PA. If you, uh, yeah. if you want well, to, I, I talk with Bo, man, I, I want to, uh, I do want to, to uh, try the big woods yeah up in PA. yeah he's got some you know there's big woods out uh, of course out by him you know with the alleghenies and stuff like that and then in eastern pa on on the opposite yeah. side headed up toward like new york there's another basically huge section of of big woods that you can kind of get into and that's where i've been spending a lot of my time i think i sent you some trail camera pictures of a couple yeah. of those i just want to focus like I, I i i still got my points in iowa i think that i can draw you know a real good unit out this there this year if I want to, mm-hmm. I know I can get a muzzle loader tag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my points in Kansas. I just don't know if I want to do that this year. I, I, mm-hmm. I really just want to concentrate on, uh, I mean, if we, if we have the chance and get invited back to the PLC, mm-hmm. I'll definitely do that with those guys. Cause I, I love sharing camp with Warb and them and it, it's just a good, a good, it's a good trip. 
Yeah. And it's, it's a damn challenge. Oh yeah, for sure. The, uh, uh, the Iowa trip, man, I should be able to draw, not this year. I should be able to draw again, not this year, but next. So yeah. if you go out that year, let yeah. me know, we might be able to that's draw the same. What, that's probably what I'm going to try to do, Clint, because I, I really want to just focus on this region mm-hmm. of these four or five states within West Virginia and around West Virginia that I can get to within four or five hours. Right. Yeah. Cause if you want to, if you did that, I've got some Intel on a piece that I've hunted out there before that would, and I've got some, some local, uh, some local buddies out there yeah. too, that, uh, trail cameras could be hung and checked and stuff yeah. like that. You didn't mean to kind of help, uh, make game plans from afar. Yeah. So to speak, you know, and I've Yo. killed and I've killed out there once on that, on that particular piece. And I know there's, I mean, there's, it's Iowa, so there's giants there, but I know of a few specific giants that have been, that are around there. One particularly that I missed, I just did a podcast with a buddy of mine that I met while I was out there and I missed a, a really good eight point. I've told this story before, so I'll make it quick. It was like 145 inch eight point, something like that. I missed him twice on that trip. And, uh, yeah, tell me that. And, but, and I don't know if it's the same deer. It's been about three years and I, I guessed that deer to be about three and a half when I, when I saw him. You know, um, and so my buddy I was talking to, cause he hunts in that general area. He killed a, a 160 and some change this year. And, uh, he's like, Hey, and when we got done podcasting, he's like, Hey, I was like, I told him exactly where he's like, where'd you see that deer at? And I told him where, because when I met him in the parking lot, he gave me a few pointers, you know, there near some water. And I kind of went and scouted it and kind of, that's where I ended up spending some time. And, uh, and I told him where I was set up and I missed that deer. He's like, man, he's like you know, I have a camera. He's like maybe a hundred yards plus or minus from where you were set up and you, and you saw him. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, and I have a giant eight point on camera, like the past two years. Oh, he's God. like, but this year he's like, he's like, he's a mega. And so he sent me a picture of him. Like the frame looks exactly the same. It's, it looks like a six year old deer. So it'd be about the right, it'd be the right age. And the thing with his brow ties is they didn't come straight up. Like they kind of, they kind of slanted back off his head right. and that deer has the same like his brows weren't huge everything else he had long tines but his brows weren't super long the brows look almost identical and they're kind of straight back almost like his hair slicked back and josh if he's not uh, he's probably 160 inch eight point oh, man. <laughs> now <laughs> like just like a freak you know what yeah. i mean i'll send you a picture of when, when we're when yeah. we're when we're done but that's a long way of saying if we go out if we we're yeah. out at the same time. I got some intel on a spot that we can certainly tag yeah, on, which would be cool. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about sharing camp anyway. Yeah, and I got the rut wagon, dude. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a lot better than what I sleep in. <laughs> nice. Well, man, I want to pivot to the to that hunting land or uh, public land challenge and and talk about that a little bit because I know we kind of chatted as you were kind of leading up to getting ready to travel, you know, for for this season and stuff like that. And you mentioned that it's, you know, it certainly is what they intend it to be, which is, you know, a challenge. But what was the, what was the hardest part? What was the hardest part of that particular trip or hunting that particular piece? Well, for me, my game plan, um, so Zach and I were going out um, and we were hunting together and then Kirk and, the can- and our intern were going to hunt together. My game plan from the get go was I was going to hit small tracks of land. That's what I wanted to, I wasn't going to focus on. Cause I mean, 
there in southern Indiana, I mean, there's just monster tracks. I mean, mm. thousands and thousands of acres of public. Um, so I I did some, uh, I talked to you about the e-scouting, mm-hmm. talked with Bo Martonic, because um, I don't do a lot of, I'd rather just be have boots on the ground. I mean, I look at the at the maps and and see some saddles and stuff and that I like and I go in. But I kind of when I went out there, I focused. I was focused on five hundred acres and less. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I had these pins dropped on these small plots. But then the first couple of days that I'm out there. I'm running around like a madman checking these because I I think we got out there on the 28th. It was a Thursday maybe. Mm-hmm. And I went out Thursday evening and checked the parking lots out to see if there was any company. And so I, I marked off a couple of places from how many vehicles were at the parking places and then put green checks on ones that didn't have any parking. But then what was so hard was, you know, I wasn't even thinking and I scouted those areas and, and found some, uh, sign. We even, even bumped a, a what we think's a large deer. I mean, cause it was pouring the rain and there was a saddle that I was wanting to check out. And in that saddle, I mean, I'm telling you what, it looked like, you just stuck a plow at this scrape. I mean, it was dry. And I mean, it was pouring rain and it was dry. I mean, and we saw a deer running off. Right. So that was, uh, that was freshy fresh on that one. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, this is a good area, but it was like a 500 acre lot, but there was only one access point. Well, 500 acres is pretty big when you're trying to hike to the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the first, first weekend on my on my knee and actually pushing it um but what happened is is not me thinking well come friday saturday sunday you got weekend warriors out so your parking situation changed in 12 hours yeah on thursday evening when nobody's hunting then come friday there's vehicles Mm -hmm. and then so then you're going and running and checking other and we've got down to 40 acre parcels mm-hmm. and you know we're there and checking and, and uh i mean there was standing corn and standing beans everywhere you know on private outside the public and you'd think that you'd find that that on that transition line and we were out there you know for halloween and you know historically ohio western kentucky illinois mm-hmm. indiana you want to be in the woods on Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, there was, wasn't finding any sign on that transition coming out of ag to the woods, very little acorns everywhere that we hunted. Um, and I just wasn't successful, um, at, at finding the right. I don't even know if, if, if it was the right parcel because, there was there was deer and sign in some of those parcels, but it seemed like everybody else that was hunting at the PLC was hunting large tracks, and they were able they were traveling they were walking a long ways, but mm-hmm. they were 
they were getting into, they were finding uh, acorns. Yeah. And if they found acorns, then they was in the deer. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy, man. Like I, uh, it's, it's such a fickle thing as far as like when you're traveling like that and you're, and you're going somewhere where you don't have any information. It's one of my favorite things to do, but it's a, but it's hard. Like it's, it's one, it, it's just, sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you and on those trips, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, you could be, because you don't have intimate knowledge and you don't really know the, the pressure situation a hundred percent. You also don't know like what other influences are around there a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like you just have such limited information of everything where you could be, 200 yards off and just completely out the game. You know what I mean? Like, well, I just think that, um, my mistake is I would probably go out and hunt those small parcels, parcels again, but I would go in and I'd sneak in instead of scouting in. Mm-hmm. And I would go in and hunt and I'd scout from above. Mm. Cause I think my mistake was on these small parts, small parcels was, I'd bust into them and not, and I'm not running, mm-hmm. but I'm in there scouting. So if I'm going into a, a hundred acre lot and I'm scouting that hundred acres, well, by the time I figure out where I want to hang or set up in that hundred acre lot, I've done busted everything out of there. Yeah. It's not that big of a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that that's... was my mistake of if I'm going to hunt small parcels, I want to, I want to go in, sneak in like I'm going to hunt and get up and hunt. And then I'll scout while I'm hunting. If I have to move from that point to another point on that parcel, then I'm going to move from a hunting spot to a hunting spot. Right. I'm not going to move to a scouting spot. Right. I'll scout while I'm sitting there. Right. That's a hundred percent kind of how I approach, especially small, small pieces where, and that's why I prefer kind of larger pieces because that small piece, it's like, if you make one mistake, it's, it's probably done. You know, what yeah. I mean? you know, it's like, and then you got to be on to the, you got to basically be on to the next. And so I kind of follow the same thing where it's like, I want to hunt that piece as opposed to like scout necessary. Now, a lot of times when I go out, it's like, I'll purposefully kind of go places where I know I'm going to have big pieces. Like the place in Iowa is a pretty big, pretty big chunk. The place in Northeastern PA, big chunk. Um, Ohio, Ohio, big chunk, you know, uh, where I went in Kansas, lots of lots lots of places to roam you know and it's because of that reason where it's like i don't know a whole lot so i know i'm gonna have to walk a lot you know and i try to look at my map and i try to figure out like these are the places i'm going to kind of speed to because i think the deer are going to be here and if they're not there then i'm just on to the next spot but it's so big that if i make a mistake i'm just going to go on to the next spot anyway and that was my plan anyhow if i didn't find any sign you know what i mean yeah and I did it in Missouri and was able to get into deer and stuff like that. And so I think you're, I think you're right. It's always, I kind of, uh, what helped me a lot whenever I started hunting out of state and kind of, and going blind a lot was I followed the teachings of John Eberhart pretty religiously because that's one of his big things is, you know, he calls it freestyle hunting or freelance hunting. I don't remember exactly what it's called. I think it's freestyle hunting where you're going in blind and he has a methodology about how he, about how he goes about it, you know, um, especially whenever you're talking about small parcels versus big parcels. And that was really kind of, kind of how I learned to do it. And the first time I really executed it when, when I was, when it was when I was in Iowa and it was a lot of scouting, finding a 
set up, walking three, four miles, whatever it had to be, find hot signs, set up, hunt it. As long as the wind was right the next morning, leave all my stuff there. Now I know how to get in and out of there because I did it in daylight at least once. You know what I mean? So now I can get in in the dark. Yep. You know, get into the tree, hunt till 10, 30, 11 o'clock, get down, go find the next spot for the next evening and just kind of continue doing that until I started either seeing the sign or seeing the deer that I wanted to see, you know, and right. that was basically how I would, how I would break it down. And it's almost impossible to do that on a small spot. It's almost like you have a 200 acre farm, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to know where the spots are at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I ran into. And then, um, and I was flip flopping with Zach. So I'd hunt one day, he'd hunt one day. So he was checking place, you know, he was hunting spots that he had e-scouted. And we had an opportunity one evening on a small eight point, and he, he opted to pass. I mean, that's not the deer that, I mean, public land challenge or not, but that's not the deer that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last day, um, uh, John Lewis with the hunting club, mm-hmm. he had killed a deer. Okay. And, uh, he said, Josh, he said, you really ought to go down here and try it. He said, um, I'm seeing a lot of deer. And I said, well, I said, all right. And it was a river bottom. And I went in there and ground hunted that last day and we about got it done. I mean, we got on a, you know, 135, 140 inch eight point mm-hmm. and, uh, about got it done on the ground, which was, you know, when you're out there and you're hunting on the ground and, and getting on deer and it's, uh, we didn't kill anything, but it was a successful hunt. Yeah, for sure. I watched that video too. And that was, he was just, it was one of those things where it was, you were at the right, the right place just needed to be in the right spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you were just, we were on that deer for, uh, about four hours mm-hmm. that morning. And when we finally, that, that doe was 25 yards when she popped out. Mm-hmm. And we heard him in the brush grunting. And it's like, you know, he's gonna come out of the brush and just kind of bump her. Right. And I'm going and I'm gonna collapse his lungs. I'm gonna hammer him. I mean, we knew it was gonna happen. And dude, I've never seen a deer. I mean, he came out of the brush full speed. <laughs> and by God took her eighty yards from us and stopped mm-hmm. and stopped. And locked down right there with her for 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then he took off again. And then we went back into the timber to try to get back on him, which we never did. But, I mean, I really thought it was going to happen. And, and that deer just came out, you know, super pumped up. And he had been chasing her all day. And we'd been chasing him. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work out. But, I mean, it was a fun hunt. And, I mean, we just about got it done. Yeah, I was, who was I talking to? I was, uh, I was talking to some buddies last night and, you know, we were just kind of talking about <clears throat> when you do these, you know, whether you're hunting high pressure states, you know, you know I know that West Virginia's got plenty of pressure. PA certainly does. New York, Michigan, stuff like that. Sometimes you just have to kind of reframe what success is. And I think you really have to, whenever you're doing like these out of state DIY freestyle travel hunts where you're going in with like a wing and a prayer, essentially you're going in with your woodsmanship and your savvy and what you know, but as far as like having any type of historical information to base anything off of, like you just don't, you know? And I always say like, you 
almost have to reframe success, especially on that first year where just getting into deer and finding deer and getting an opportunity, like that's a successful hunt. That's a successful trip on those types of, on those types of hunts, in my opinion, because, because you, your strategy was right. You had the deer beat. He was just thinking with the different part of his biology that day. You know what I mean? That was going to, that was going to rule the day, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, and we, I think they were rutting while they were out there. Obviously he was, he was rutting hard, but that was the first day that we saw like rutting activity. So Mm -hmm. we might've got out there a little bit early. Right. Um, But it doesn't make any difference. I mean, we still, still learned a lot. I mean, obviously when you go on these trips, you're always wanting to have confidence that you're going to kill something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I've been skunk the the last two years that I've left the Ohio Valley region, mm-hmm. you know, from West Virginia, Ohio. I mean, going out to Missouri, got skunked, learned to pot load. Yeah. Uh, and then got skunked last year. Yeah. Uh, at some point I'll, I'll quit overthinking it and yeah, just yeah. go out there. I had the same thing. Missouri was one of those things, kind of similar situation you had in, in Indiana where, you know, I managed, it was like a five or six days I was in Missouri. I, I had three encounters in those six days, but two of them, yeah. but two of them, I mean, they were, I mean, it looked like Tyreek Hill and the Kansas city chiefs running a 40 yard sprint, you know what I mean? Just, just hauling it, just getting it, you know what I mean? Like where I was in the right spot, but the circumstances just didn't play out, you know? And that's that time of year. I mean, that's when you, that's why whenever you talk to guys like, you know, I don't know, like my buddy, Greg Litzinger, I know you guys ran into each other at ATA. That's why, that's why that guy loves hunting early October and hates the rut, you know, because like he wants to know where that deer is going to be and know that whenever he knows where that deer is going to be, when it gets up, it's going to walk to him, you know what I mean? And and he's going to have a shot, you know? Um, He's changing his tune a little bit because he's, he's gone out and hunted with Johnny Stewart out in Western PA and, had some good opportunities with some big deer and killed a good deer there, I guess, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he kind of is coming around. He's like, I don't know. He's like, maybe I, maybe I'm a rut hunter. I don't know. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, it, it, it's all, I mean, I talk, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but I mean, you got to continuously just change mm-hmm. uh, what you're doing, depending on what the deer are doing. Yeah. I mean, I like hunting on the ground just about every day during the rut. Yeah. That's something that that way I can move with them. Yeah. That's, and that's something that was a big learning curve for me in Kansas. And I started kind of adding in Pennsylvania and I feel like more and more, I just liked the, uh, I just like the ability to like, to just pick up and move. Like just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I didn't have like a ton of stuff with me. It was just like, Oh, let's go over there. It was just like, all right, cool. Grab my bow, start going, you know? And it, there wasn't any here. What's that? Y'all were on big deer. Yeah, we had we had some. You had a couple of good encounters. Yeah, I had a good good encounter. Like the first night I was there, I you know left my uh, setup just a little bit early and saw a deer that was you know in the one sixties and saw a couple other ones that were in that caliber and I was at full draw on one that was you know probably in the fifties or whatever the next to last day I was there and Chad of course killed that. He scored that one out as just a little over one seventy. Is, yeah. is what he killed, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a good trip all the way around. I mean, we should have filled two tags, you know, just didn't come to fruition, but, um, but yeah, I, I, the more and more I, I get a chance to do it, the more and more I like, 
the ability to just kind of to, to move. Now it's harder. Like your setups have to be more on point. Your wind has to be more on point. When you draw has to be more on point. Like all those things are magnified because you can't cheat anything because you're not off the ground. You're at eye level, you know? Right. It's like, and so that's the, that's the learning curve, you know, for me is, is really that, but I, I've even kind of changed and I've talked about this before, but I've even kind of changed in the dates that I really like to hunt. Like I used to really like that, you know, beginning of, uh, November kind of time frame. I still like that when I go out of state because I need, I need yeah. a little, I need a little luck when I'm out of state, you know, yep. because I'm not as familiar. So I need that chance if they're going to move, you know, but at home, I'm really starting to like that October lull time frame. Like that's, I've had my best encounters the past two years during the time frame where everyone doesn't, nobody wants to hunt. Cause they say the deer's not moving. And yep. That's actually the past two years when I've actually had my best encounters was like somewhere between like the 13th and like the 20th ish of October and actually in the mornings as opposed to evenings. Yeah. We talk, somebody asked me down at ATA about the uh, rut and pre rut and post rut. And my big thing is, is I try to give myself as many whether you're a weekend warrior, you're a daily hunter, whatever. But if you give yourself enough opportunities of being in the woods, if mm -hmm. you give yourself enough days in the woods, there you are going to get presented an opportunity. Unless you're just hunting where the deer ain't. I mean, you got to be hunting where the deer are. Right. Uh, that's number one. But you're going to get paid off and get an opportunity. That's how I feel about it. I mean, the 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 harder you work. It will at some point you'll have an opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like, I a hundred percent agree with you, you know, and, but then you see guys like Andy may, which is almost the opposite <laughs> where it's like, it seems yeah. like every time that guy walks into the woods. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just, yeah you know? And so I think it really kind of comes down to like, what is your style? Like how, like how do you hunt and, and how often can you, you know what I mean? Because, you know, for a guy like me, you know, I've this year, I felt like, even though I didn't fill a tag in PA, I felt like this year was the most, was the year that I've hunted the most kind of strategic, had the most strategic approach. Cause almost every yeah. sit I had, I was having encounters and I was having encounters with deer that I knew that were there in areas where I thought they would be. Even the one spot that was a completely new spot and I hunted it on a flyer cause the wind was wrong for every other place for me that day. I went and hunted a morning in like October uh, 13th or 15th or something like that. And a shooter that I knew was in the area came through, didn't get a shot. And then a second buck came through that I passed, you know, right. and, and that was a strategic kind of move where I was like, I'm going to go hunt this. Cause I, I like that spot. I like that setup. And I've had a feeling that would probably be good this time of time of year. It was close to some doe bedding and, and, and stuff like that. And so I had, I hunted fewer times this year in Pennsylvania than I had in past years. Um, but my quality sits were a lot higher, you know what I mean? Than, than I've had in years past. And so I almost feel like it's, it depends on the time that you have. It's almost that old saying for the stock market, right? It's not for some guys, it's time in market. And for other guys, it's time in the market. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and time in market, like you're saying nine times out of 10 is the best approach for everybody, right? You just put your money in and just let it sit and let it grow for a long period of time. Just stay in ride the wave, the ebbs and flows of the ups and downs, and you'll come out better on the other end. Right. 
Yep. But then there are those guys who can watch the stock market and got the funds to play with it, the right amount of funds that they're going to time it. And they're going to see something drop. They're going to buy. It's going to shoot back up. They're going to sell. And they're going to make a pant load of money. You know what I mean? So you have to just kind of be honest with like, which guy are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which approach do you, can you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the grinder. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, Andy. I guarantee I, Andy kills a lot of stuff. Oh, my, yeah. I, I, got, I got to talk to Andy out at ATA face-to-face for the first time. I mean, but Andy puts the work in. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. He, he's not going in. He's not going in these spots blind. Yeah. I mean, he puts the work in before he goes in and kills. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going in and hunting most of the time. Right. And I don't, I, when I scout, I'm scouting behind glass. Right. You know, yeah. um, I, I do use a few cell phone cameras and to just kind of get, see if there's anything in the area. Right. Um, but most of the time, I mean, these guys that kill, I mean, they're not going out. I mean, <clears throat> they're not going out and just killing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're working. I mean, Andy, Andy, you can tell by talking to him, uh, by listening to him. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. Like, and I, Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the way I think about Andy specifically is the deer he's going to kill three years from now. He's killing him this, this off season. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's he, he plays such a, a long, not, and not all the time, but he plays such a long game of understanding and knowing whenever a spot's going to be right. And he knows the deer's there because he's got the Intel on that deer and he's watched him. He's may have had an encounter with him in the past and he's filing all that away in his memory bank. And then next year will pop up and he's like, Northeast wind, 10 degree temp drop. He's usually in this area around this time of year. I'm going to go extract him. <laughs> like, you know, it's that surgical, you know, but yeah. it's like, to your point, there was a lot of work that went into that one sit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, those, those, those kind of guys, I mean, uh, I mean, hell, I got a respect for them, but I like, I mean, I, I don't have the uh, mentality. Mm-hmm. I like, I like just ha- having boots on the ground and, and learning what you learn while you hunt. Yeah. I actually yeah. do. I actually do better that way too, because I almost feel like a hunt more free that way. And I don't get hung up as hung up when I make a mistake because I'm just kind of going I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. Like there's a method to the madness, but there's, there's an expectation that because I'm kind of pushing the envelope a little bit that I'm, I, I could, I could make a mistake. You know, the deer could be where I don't think he's going to be, or the deer could be not back to bed quite yet whenever I walk in there or whatever the case is. But I kind of, I kind of know that walking into it. So if I do make a mistake, I don't get hung up on it. It doesn't ruin it for me. I'm just like, okay, I'm on to the next one, you know? And that's right. I have a hard time, you know, going back to our buddy, Greg, you know, he makes fun of me because he's like, dude, he's like, you go out of state. He's like, drop you off wherever you end up finding deer. You know, he's like, you end up either killing one or like at full draw on one or whatever. He's like, and in Pennsylvania, he's like your home state. He's like, he's like, I feel like you just get too, like too in your head. You know, he's like, you, you overthink yourself. He's like, you overanalyze it. And you're my, my, my buddy Tate that got me into behind the old timer. He would say, I'm trying to pick the fly shit out of the pepper. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's his say. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's some truth to that where it's like, I'm trying to thread the needle so fine at home. Cause I think I got it all figured out that I'm actually overthinking and overcomplicating things. 
Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I'd do it in West Virginia. I mean, I, excuse me, I, I didn't, I, I don't think I struggled this year. I just couldn't find the, when I was hunting on the ground, I just couldn't find the deer. I mean, I was seeing deer and then, and then Bo came down and hunted, I think like the 13th through the 20th, mm-hmm. 14th to the 21st. And like, that was the hottest week in what, in, you know, in Southern West Virginia this year. I mean, there they was deer and they were, I mean, we had, I think three encounters wow. that week with good bucks and, uh, and, and Bo had his first you know, like serious consecutive day going around with ground hunting. And, um, he, he learned valuable lessons too, you know, and when to pull back yeah, um, on the ground, because if you see the deer, I mean, you probably need to go ahead and get it back right? and, you know, get one in him as soon as you can. Don't, we're not sitting and gawking. Right. <laughs> you know nice. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, uh, so we were seeing deer and, 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 and my buddies were, were, were killing deer. Um, but I, I struggled to, uh, and then after, after the rut, man, it, it went just dead. Yeah. You know, it warmed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still hunted. I mean, I was still in the glass trying to find deer. Um, I, I'd kind of transitioned from, focusing on glassing to hunting out of a saddle. Mm-hmm. You know, I started climbing at that point and then, um, and it was just changing with what the deer were doing. And then my buddy, Trace Boone, um, who, who, who is from down here and, and he's just, a, you know, a mega giant killer here. Um, him and his whole damn family are. <laughs> they are man they're just all a bunch of killers and uh he had told me about a deer that he that he had and in the, in the area he had and i was like really and i went up there and it was just a it just got awful thick and on a flat but i mean the pine trees were eight nine inches thick mm-hmm. and i ended up hunting on the ground one evening and saw some deer but it just wasn't a good set. I couldn't have shot any of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, I said, man, I said, I'm going to cl- clear out one of these pine trees and get in the saddle and just hunt for a few days. And I think that, uh, we hunted, I think we hunted four, we hunted four days. And then on the fifth day is when that buck came through. Right. And that's and, the, uh, that's the one thing that I, I like about how you, and at some point I'd love to spend some time with you and just get behind glass with you. Cause that's, that was again, not just hunting from the ground when I was in Kansas, but it was also being comfortable relying on my glass. There's almost this feeling that I would have where we'd be sitting in a truck glassing, you know, or we'd be sitting out somewhere in a CRP field glassing or wherever we happened to be. Sometimes it was from the truck. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of driving just glassing from the truck out yeah. there. And, uh, and I would almost feel guilty. Like I wasn't, I wasn't grinding. Like I wasn't, you know what I mean? Cause I wasn't putting the boot leather to the ground and just running like a, you know, Cherokee <laughs> trying to run one down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, uh, and so it was really hard. Like I would get nervous about it because I just wanted to go out and hunt. But like in those situations and in those setups, the best thing you can do 
is get a visual on one so you know what the game plan is and you can make and you can make a play. And that's the one thing like for your game, what I have a lot of respect for is your ability to do that in the area that you're doing it in. Because it's it's a lot of guys think of it for like a western approach, whether it's, you know, hunting plains whitetails or or if you're going out west and you're hunting elk or muleys or whatever the case is. But there's not a lot of people that I know of that do that in mountain area like you do. And I know you're you're doing it a lot of times in like these old strip mine valley fields that are reclaimed yeah. and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But still those those places are steep, they're gnarly, and it and it, and it ain't like yeah. you're picking them out of like a freaking bean field somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's no, no, it's not, but I mean I'm telling you, anytime you have the luxury to to sit in the truck and and glass or put the spotting scope on the on the window and glass. I'm telling you right now, I take full advantage of it, and I I don't have any any guilt whatsoever <laughs> it, it, for anybody that thinks I'm cheating by doing that. Right. Uh, so you shouldn't feel that way either, because the 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 work really is in glassing them up, of finding you know the the you see in their eye or seeing their nose or seeing a horn flicker, you know, it's not easy to to spot a, a buck better down in CRP. Yeah. Yeah. Um when but it you, takes it takes time. Right. When do you know when when you're gonna make a move, right? Like so Well I'm gonna because, let the deer tell me. Right. But so that's what I'm that I guess that's what I should ask is what do they need to show you to tell you to make a move? Because I've seen plenty times you know, for example, um, the guys from Whitetail Adrenaline, you know, they're, yeah. they're running like crazy. And, you know, yeah, it's, and, and there's times where they'll watch a deer and and just watch him and be like, mm, I, I, ain't, I ain't got to play. I'm going to yep. come back tomorrow and, and watch yep. him again. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm always just curious because Chad and I had, uh, I forget what day, it might have been like the third day we were there. We saw, we were up on this kind of, uh, oil tanks glass in this uh, I think it was a millet field and there was a CRP field with some draws that kind of kind of connected to this other draw that went up into this um, or drainage rather that went up into this uh, like winter wheat field right and we could see kind of part of the one side of the winter wheat field but we could see a lot of the millet um, and a fair amount of the CRP until you got over this crest and we saw a bunch of does and, and, and stuff like that. And we thought we might've saw a young buck or, and, uh, but those, those deer just kind of disappeared in the millet. And so we were like, you know what, let's run around, let's go to the other side of the section. Cause there's, for anyone who doesn't know, like all those properties out there are basically like one mile sections, like one square mile essentially. And so you just dr- try to drive around the other section. This is all Weehaw proper, you know, walk and access property. And, uh, because those does kind of disappeared. We didn't see any bucks with them, but we were like, they might've been in that millet. We would have never seen them potentially. So we were like, let's go over the other side and glass and see if there's bucks with those does potentially. So we drive around and we get over there and there's two bucks literally walking down the road toward us from like, I mean, I can see it from like a half mile away, like just walking toward us. So we stopped and jumped out of the truck, jumped up into the millet to kind of hide and then all of a sudden those does blew out from behind us because they were literally in the millet right where we were at. <laughs> right. They took off. And so now we're watching those other bucks and it's kind of figure out what they're going to do. Now, Chad made one of those big kind of like white tail adrenaline full body <laughs> decoys. He made one of those. He flashed it at those bucks and spooked them. They scared. They took off. And what we realized was one was actually a mule deer because we were right next to a mule deer section. 
he bounded off, and the other one was a white town. He took off and bedded down in this draw, and we watched him kind of go bed. We lost him once we got into the draw, but the draw wasn't – the draw might have been 70 yards long and maybe 25 yards wide, maybe 50 yards wide at the widest. So it was skinny, yeah. you know what I mean, to where you could see the whole thing we were glassing, but there were trees in the middle of it, and he went through and got on the back side of it. So we watched the horizon. We didn't see him come up out. So we assumed that he just got on the opposite side of those trees – embedded down on the edge because the wind was kind of it was blowing toward him but it was kind of a crosswind so we assumed he was probably laying to kind of catch the wind and kind of be able to see right that's kind of what we assumed his setup would be on the back side of that draw and so we kind of crept through the crp got up there set up the decoy rattled he never came that was about you know we weren't wanting to press the envelope so we were maybe 7500 yards away roughly in on the edge of the crp where the uh, winter wheat kind of connected to it so they were like, all right, well, he didn't show. So we maybe we got to break his comfort zone. We got to get a little closer or something. So we moved a little closer. We got probably 50 yards away from where we thought he was bedded. Now we still at this time are so close. Now he could have blown out, blown out the backside. We would have never saw him, you know? So there was a chance he wasn't there. So we got closer, got to about 50 yards, tucked in, rattled again, nothing. So we were like, man, he must've slipped us and we just never saw him. So, we end up, we were like, well, while we're here, let's scout and see if we can find like the beds. Cause I, through the, through the glass, I could see a huge, uh, community, like, uh, signpost rub that was just destroyed. And it, the tree was pretty big. And it's just like, man, there's a huge rub in there. So let's go see what else is in there. So we walk in there, we get probably 25 yards from where we think he was bedded. And sure enough, we were exactly right where he was bedded. Like he was just bedded on the other side of those trees on the lip of that, on the lip of that draw and blusted and blew out of there. Tons of scrapes in there. There was like, two or three different beds he was using in there. And the learning lesson there was because that was our first stock on a whitetail was that once we bedded him, we should have spent the rest of the day sitting there waiting for him to move and get up. Should have just sat and should have just sat and waited him out to show his cards and then tried to come back in probably the next day. Yeah. I mean, especially if you felt confident that he was bedded, Mm -hmm. um, you can wait to make a move or, you know, if you had, you didn't have sight of him though, right? No, but where we were actually moving down to the way the wind was, we could have, because there was two of us, we could have split up and one person could have stayed on one side of the draw and we could have slipped down on the other side and still had the wind to our advantage, but stayed behind the brush enough to where we could have glassed yeah. the other edge and, ha- yeah. and had, and had seen him, you yeah. know? And so we just being a couple noobs, hunting on the ground and spotting and stalking whitetails we just got all amped up and when we were like let's go kill him you know that was you know and it blew up in our face where it's like (laughs) if we would have stopped and had done it before and just thought about it it's like man there's two of him or there's two of us there's one of him right let's keep the wind in our favor that's split up that's that's watch from each side and just even if we can't see him right away he's going to eventually have to get up to stretch take a piss something he's going to move and it's just be sitting, waiting to watch to catch where he's at. Because once we would have known for sure where he was bedded, we actually he wouldn't have had line of sight to us on that other side of that draw. We could have slipped around the whole way around, like went back to the road to the truck, went all the way around, got into the top side of that winter wheat field, and came back in essentially from his north and yeah. set up on him and and be able, been able to basically slip in as close as we would have needed to, and maybe shot him in the bed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean it's always. Uh... You know, a, 
I guess a tough call. I mean, sometimes you get, I mean, I get caught up in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, that, that buck, um, Bo got on a, a monster nine point one evening and it was in the middle of the day. I mean, we had time, mm-hmm. uh, and well, I mean, it was two o'clock in the day. We had three and a half hours of shooting light mm-hmm. and, but we lost, you know, the biggest thing on the ground when you lose line of sight, you know, you're kind of, it's a mystery <laughs> and you kind of sit back and say, Hey, there's no way. And I, you know, we were going down a big steep when this buck was coming across and we were trying to intersect him and going to kind of play ambush with him. And, but when we got down there, we didn't know that we were passing that deer as he was coming up. Mm. Well, we got down there where we were at. Now he didn't spook at the time cause he was still a, a, a jag away from us. But I knew that that deer from the, the terrain, he didn't get, he didn't go past us. And then we, 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 and man, he was being vocal. He was grunting right back at us. So you knew he was close cause we heard him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as soon as I heard him, I was like, Bo, he's got a bow. So I said, we got to go. So we had to go back up the mountain. And I was like, you know, just, you take the lead, take your time. I said, but you, you know, we're going up these benches, you know, and it's real thick. It's probably got 10 years growth on it. And, uh, man, he, he got, he got up and he looked and man, that buck wasn't 30 yards from him. Hmm. And he said, don't move. And I just, you know, I just, I was down the slope, so I didn't move. But I was like, and then probably 45 seconds went by a minute and we saw it buck jump over the, onto the slope we were on and he, he took off and he just went a hundred yards and we watched him. We glassed him the rest of the evening, just meandering and getting in and out of these tickets. And Bo and I were talking that night and he was like, I should have, I should have shot him, shouldn't I? And I was like, yeah, what did he do? He said, well, he, when I poked up, he kind of glanced over and saw movement, but we were still sitting like over the hill. And I said, well, what'd he do? He said, well, he kind of poked up and then he went back to making a scrape. And I was like, you know, could you have shot? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, that's when you, you know, you just let the deer, you know, I kind of let the deer tell me at that point, you know, when you lose line of sight, it's like I told you, it's a mystery. Like we're going after that deer and going to try to find him down in there. But a lot, I mean, a lot of times if I know where a deer is traveling, there's a lot of times I'll make a move on the ground when the deer is moving. I won't necessarily wait until he's bedded. Uh, there's a lot of times that if there's, if I see from a distance that there's multiple bucks chasing a doe, I might go right there to that spot and wait. Cause most likely before the end of the day, there's going to be bucks coming through there. Right. Yeah. And I watched you do that in one of the videos. It was earlier in the season before you killed your buck <clears> that you glassed. I think you glassed one up, but you were kind of, he was coming up out of this. I think it was out of one of those 
Um, out of a valley field. Out of a valley field, yeah. And he was crossing a road, and you got yeah. hung up out. You got hung out the dry because he yeah. was coming across, and you were like, "He's going to cross over here." And sure as shit, if he didn't cross straight where you said he, you were trying to basically get to. Man, and I kept on telling Tegan, I said, "We need to get over here on the left side. That deer is going to come over here." But your mindset when you're caught up, it's like you want to be instead of where the deer's going. You want to be where the deer's at. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I knew I needed to get off there and go over there in that thicket. And that deer would have, would have, you know, I'd have been in the ball game. But once he got in the thicket, you know, it's kind of like, hey, let's go back down here in glass. This deer is, is he's in the area. We're going to see him again. We just got to give it time. You know, we saw that deer again the next morning. Okay. Uh, of course, he was on the prowl. You know, he's, they're hard to catch up with. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you, you had know. that one, you had that one pegged, man. If you would have been over there on that left-hand side, you would have basically been able to rodeo. Mm. That, you would have been able to rodeo that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he'd ran right over top of us. And yeah, you know, when you're in the ghillie suits, I mean, they just, they just don't, they don't know what you are. Yeah. And that was the one thing again, in Kansas, I was using a ghillie suit. And that, the last encounter I had that I was drawn on that deer, I was in a ghillie jacket in the middle of CRP naked. Like yeah. I had a D had a, had a heads up decoy out in front of me that I was using just to try to take the attention off of me. Yeah. You know? And I had a, I had a doe at five yards behind me. Just, I could hear her breathing behind me, chewing on, <laughs> chewing on something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I was like, I just wanted her to get gone. Cause I actually got down. I'd never been in there before. I just wanted daylight to crack. I set up there just to get through daylight so I could glass that a bottom so I could figure out where I wanted to go set up. Before I ever got a chance to do that, that deer comes in from behind me. And as soon as she moseyed off, I went, I did a quick scan before I got up. Then I just saw tines coming, you know, and then uh, oh, yeah. at that point, then I was stuck and snort wheezed him in and he circled downwind. I didn't have any wind and my thermals were pulling to this little low spot. And that's where he walked to. And I could see the front of his tines, the front of his feet and, and the tip of his nose. And that was it. You know, I just needed two or three more steps, but yeah, it's, when you when you get in when you're in the shadows and have the concealment, I mean, it, it's happened to us. It happens to me all the time when I'm sitting glassing. I'll have deer walk walk right behind me, mm-hmm. right in front of me, and they just they're just browsing on by. I mean, it's cool as hell. It's not you know those big bucks. I mean, we've had those big buck encounters, but I mean, they work. I mean, yeah, like. They just, it's, it's good concealment. I mean, I love hunting out of them. The, um, but you have to change, you know, your game. I mean, I, I learned that this year, uh, changing strategy. I mean, there's nothing I'd rather do than hunt on the ground yeah. and kill one on the ground. But I just didn't have, other than Indiana, um, you know, I had a couple opportunities. I never had an opportunity in, in Southern West Virginia that I pulled back on. I could have pulled back on one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on deer. Yeah. Now, I did. When Bo was down, we got on a buck, and it was pouring the rain. And I was like, well, let's go out here and see if we can find it. And God forbid, man, we go out there with no bow, no nothing. And I find that buck, and he's 30, he's 30 yards. From Serious. 140-inch eight-point. And like I'm running back to the truck, and I grab my bow, and I'm looking for my release, and I guess my my uh, uh, my release fell out fell out of my pocket at my last glassing point, 
And uh, so I grab Bo's release. It's set up for a right-hander. And I'm left-handed. <laughs> so I go out there and I turn it upside down. <laughs> so I said, I don't know if it's going to work. I said, it's going to work, dude. It's good. You got to improvise. <laughs> Ended up, we saw uh, uh, four different bucks, man, running that same doe through there. Of course, we didn't get a shot, but it was a, it was a great encounter. Right. Uh, but it was like bonehead mistake. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not going out there with a bow, Yeah, you know, 70 yards from the truck. I mean, it just stuff that you, that you get used to doing, and then you get lackadaisical. Well, it's you like get, we were talking about at the beginning, taking, taking things for granted. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're like things that you don't even think about yeah. anymore because you've been doing it so long, but you ended up getting into a tree there whenever you killed that buck that you killed. And that tree was like, you were, uh, you were testing the the laws of gravity in that thing yeah i mean (laughs) we got in that tree but let me tell you man i love hunting those those pines because when i got in it you know three or four days before i started hunting out of it i i got in and trimmed it out Mm -hmm. but you know i didn't throw the branches down i stacked them i stacked them all on the branches around us okay yeah uh, to give us that dark cover from the bottom and there was a trail not five or six yards from the tree that we had, I don't know, half a dozen does. I mean, they came right below us on this trail. And then, you know, that day that buck came through, he was on that same trail and I didn't understand until I got out of the tree, but you know, he veered off the trail and it ended up, there was an autumn olive bush there in the, in the middle of that trail that those does had tunneled below it, but, he wasn't going to come through it because it was, it was an obstruction. So he he veered out, but there was so many things I could talk about and learn from that hunt from the one pin site. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was a good one. (laughs) You know, that's the first time that that's happened to me. Um, I'm usually really good and I'm not, and I won't change, you know, everybody's asked me, are you getting rid of your one pin? No, I'm not. I'm going, I'm going to continue to hunt with a one pin. Yeah. Uh, because it makes me settle that pin on that animal when I shoot. And when there's three or four or five pins out there on my sight picture, yeah, I just think that I can put all five pins on there and yeah. let her fly and I'm going to hit it. And it makes me concentrate. So yeah, I'm, uh, the, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I prefer my one pin for, for that, for that reason. But it was crazy. Cause like you had your pin set for 50 from shooting in the yard the day yeah. before, I think flung it right over his back. And then it was a little while later, he ended up, circling back like yeah, sometime so he, later he, yeah he took off and you know of course i was pissed off i was uh cuss the bow cuss the tree cuss the oh yeah, yeah <laughs> i was i was uh i was pretty flipping mad at myself mm-hmm. because it's just a terrible mistake to make and then you know you wanting that and from the time i saw that deer to the time i shot when he was at 22 yards and i missed i mean it was 15 seconds mm-hmm you know, and that's what you're hunting for. You know, you might lay on these hunts daylight to dark, and all, all you're wanting is that 15 second opportunity. Yep. And I had it, and it blew up in my face. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty aggravated. But you know, it was. Uh, I think it was. It was 10:25, 10:30 in the morning when that deer come through, and I shot and missed, and I ended up shooting him at 11:40. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like an hour and a half later, roughly came back through. Yeah. And I saw a deer coming back 
and the, the the sun was shining from that side and man his back the deer's back was just shining and i was like hagen i said like there's a deer coming over here and i got my binos up and i looked and i said i said gee i said he's coming back through here <laughs> and he was coming he was coming back on the far side of the trail, coming back down that trail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, and he ended up making a good shot at 30 yards. And, you know, like I said, he didn't go 40. Yeah. Uh, everybody says he didn't go 20, but it was a little bit further than that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, you know, Warbin and I were talking and he, and he texted me. He's like, Hey, it's killer video. He said, great deer. He said, but he said, I'm going to tell you what he said. Uh, he said, you staying in the tree after missing and then regaining your composure and then making a good shot. He said, that tells me more about you than killing that deer. He said, that's unreal. Yeah. And that was the, you know, you learn a lot there in yeah. that hour that went by. I mean, I went from being way up here and when he was coming in to being deflated when I missed and then uh, being pissed for several minutes. Right. And then not giving up and getting out of the tree. You know, I'd planned on sitting all day. I mean, that, that wasn't the only buck in the area, obviously. I mean, it was sign everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times people give up on a spot too quick, you know, when, when, something yeah. like that, when something like that happens, where it's like, if it's a good spot, it's a good spot. And it wasn't like it, wasn't like it got boogered up. Matt Deer had no clue what happened when that first shot nah. missed him, like he, he just heard something was like, Whoa, what is that? I mean, you can see the reaction. Like he's yeah. like, what, uh, what just happened? Raises nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of like, Hey, something, yeah, something ain't right. And he kind of bound away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when stuff like that happens, it's like, you know, I think it's one of those things whenever you have something go wrong in a situation like that, you have to kind of read the situation for what it is. Like they're not all equal, you know? So it's like, if, you had a deer come in downwind of you and it's the one deer that you're hunting and you're in close to his a bedding, his bedding area or something like that. And he, and he wins you and sees you and blows out of there. Maybe he blows or whatever the case is. Yeah. Spot's probably, probably going to be boogered up. It's probably, it's probably time to jump. Shit. <laughs> right. Time to move. But if you rip an arrow and a deer's <laughs> coming through and has no clue that you were there, never smelled you, never, never saw you knows. He just heard something, you know, it's like, well, even if that deer doesn't turn back around and come back through, he didn't booger it up for anybody, for any that's other, right. other that's deer that's going to come through. Exactly right. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, man, it was, it was a cool hunt. I was, uh, I was watching, I know we were texting before that and you told me it was going to drop and then he went to ATA. So I spent a couple of days waiting for it and I was like, come on, man, give me the goods. Like you can't yeah. tell me that and then, then disappear. Well, well Kirk would, had gone mountain lion hunting and then we're just, we're so backlogged with, with content right now and trying to get it out. Yeah. Um, because you know, we're both laying in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it ended up being a good video. Um, and it was a, you know, like I said, it was a grind mm-hmm. for, from the 28th of October until I think I killed it during the 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that in December and they had just started moving again. I mean, it was, uh, I'm telling you like from the 25th, I mean, I hunted like three weeks. And I bet you only saw, you know, maybe one shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know the two weeks prior to that I was seeing one, two, three shooters a day. 
right you know from glass from a distance you know yeah. not on them i mean i was seeing them yeah. yeah i mean the does and everything just stopped moving yeah uh because we got that warm front and it just got real shitty but you know we stayed after it we kept on hunting and uh it ended up paying off i mean that's the that's the grinder effect, I guess you, you say. It's the grinder effect. There you go. We'll name it that, the grinder <laughs> effect. <laughs> just, uh, you know, I, I, I would not have, uh, I would have continued deer hunting all the way until New Year's Eve if if I hadn't had harvested that deer. I, I, I ended up finding uh, two more deer uh, in the late season, which is which is awesome. And, and I know they both lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to be really uh um good deer i think this fall and, and gives me a place to start nice so that means uh, we should have some good videos coming then uh the next season if we got yeah, a couple I, I of good ones so man well i i hope to uh um show people this year that's the you know that's kind of the the different approach i'm going to take too is we do a lot of um they say kill videos mm-hmm. i want to do more I mean, if we kill, then that's great. You want to do more of the, the, the longer, ver- I, want, not, I want to say longer, but like the, the in-between stuff. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to show people that, you know, I'm just not going out and killing a deer. Yeah. That it takes all of this up to it to kill something. Yeah, exactly. And then show them that and get more into that educational aspect and, and, yeah. and show people. I mean, I'd love to see more people out there hunting on the ground. I mean, even in Ohio and Kentucky, I mean, hunting on the ground is just not for out in the Midwest and yeah. here in West Virginia. I mean, it's, you can do it. There's, there's stalkers up in the Adirondacks and mm-hmm. up in the man that just kick ass. I'd love to get with them and have them mentor me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and show them what those guys do. Yeah, well, you got a convert here, man. You're uh, you're you're forcing me to turn over a new leaf. But uh, with that, man, I know I've been I've kept you on here about an hour and a half. I want to be sensitive to your time. I know we both have work tomorrow. Got a school day, so uh, and we're probably, we're we're supposed to get another snowstorm tonight. So I don't know if it'll be school or not. Well, you uh, you keep all that down there. You know, don't. I, was kidding. I mean, we would rather have snow in December. I mean, snow, right. in, <laughs> snow in January doesn't do us any good. Ain't doing any good. Just, no. All it does is hurt my back from shoving this damn driveway I've got. That's right. Hey, man, before, <laughs> I, before I let you get going, dude, uh, let people know where they can find out more about you. Let them know where they can find out more about The Untamed, where they can find your videos and all your content. Yeah, so check out uh, The Untamed on YouTube. You can find it by t- typing in The Untamed Hunt. You can find us on uh, Instagram at The Untamed facebook at the untamed and uh let us know if you like it hit subscribe and follow us and we have a hell of a good time they do man if you guys haven't uh if you guys haven't checked out any of the untamed videos yet then i don't know where you've been you've been sleeping uh but wake up and check these guys out josh buddy i appreciate you man hey dude i always enjoy it clint i always look forward to it man that's right dude and we're gonna get a hunt in one of these days that's that's happening absolutely hell i mean I don't think we're about six, seven hours apart. So. That's, that's right. I'll make my way that way. Don't, don't you? Don't you worry. I'm coming. I'm bringing. Oh, hell, I'm, I, I want to come. I want to come northeast. There you go, man. I got the rut wagon. You got a place. It's all good. What happens yeah. in the rut wagon stays in the rut wagon. That's the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. I'll see. I'll, you take care, man. Thank you, Clint. 
All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there too. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.